0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. We're here this morning to talk about revival. If you've been in church for a little while, you've heard the word before, amen? Right? Revival. Or you've heard the word revive. You know, there's a song that we sing, revive us again. So you might be familiar with that. You might be, you see that verse, and there's a word, Revive. To revive the spirit, to revive the heart. You've heard the words before and maybe you know a little bit about church history and you know about the revivals of the past. You know about the revivals here in our country. The Great Awakening and some other revivals here. Other revivals in other parts around the world. The Welsh Revival, some others. And you might be familiar with things like that. But if we could kind of take a step back let's say there's somebody here, you've never heard the Bible before, you're not familiar with church history, you're not familiar with Christianity or any of those kinds of things. If you use the word revive or you've heard the word revive, it's probably or most likely the case that you probably heard it around something like CPR, right? That somebody needs to be revived, right? And they might apply CPR. And that makes sense because revive simply means either to bring back to life or consciousness. And I was, as I was considering this theme of revival, I was thinking unconscious. Man, that's a great word that can sometimes be used to describe believers. All right? Spiritually unconscious. What do the spiritually unconscious need? They need to be revived. Amen? They need to be revived. I think that it's important for us to have revival on a consistent basis. And there's, of course, levels of consciousness, you know. Of course, there's times when you get tired and you're kind of not as sharp, you're not as focused, you're not thinking all of these things. But I think that we all know and agree that being unconscious, just physically speaking, well, it's bad, it's dangerous, and sometimes it can be a shame, Because of what you miss out on when you are unconscious. You know, when I was younger, my dad would take us on road trips. And uh, looking back now, because I have some kids of my own, I realize how brave of a a father I had to take us kids out on these long road trips. I mean, not just road trips from, like, here to, like, San Francisco, here to, you know, uh, Lake Tahoe or something like that. Those are long drives, right? I mean, my dad drove us from Seattle to the Canadian Rockies. My dad drove us from Wisconsin all the way out to the East Coast. We drove to Boston, Massachusetts. I mean, we went on these long road trips. It's me and my mom and, and three kids. And, and uh, you know, just when you're on a long road trip, and especially when you're a kid, but even when you get older, you just get there in the car, and you just get a little sleepy, Right? You just get sleepy. Maybe you just had lunch. You get a little sleepy. Or it's just a long drive and, you know, just the rumbling along of the road. You get a little tired, right? And uh, we went on one of these vacations where my dad, my family, we went on this trip. And we, we went from Seattle where we were living over to the Canadian Rockies. And uh, I don't know how long of a drive that was, but it, it's, it's a long drive. And uh, once we got there, we drove some more, you know. The Rockies is a big place, and so we would drive here and there and all over the place. And there's, you know, Jasper and Banff, and we were, we were all in that area. And uh, I remember one time we were driving, and uh, it was a long drive. I think it was like maybe three, four-hour drive in between where we were and where we were going. And uh, so I was driving, or my dad was driving, and we were there. And I just, I was, I was tired, you know. I was a kid. I got tired, you know. And, and I fell asleep. And I fell asleep probably for two hours, you know. A long nap. And, you know, it felt great. And I woke up there. And uh, I woke up when the car stopped, right. That's when you always wake up, right. You pull off the freeway. You pull in. You, and that's when I woke up. And I woke up, and I remember distinctly, what my mom said the very first thing my mom said was like oh you woke up man you missed out on a great drive and i was like what what was so great about this drive and uh, my mom was like oh the rockies were amazing it was so beautiful through this section and she started to describe all of these things and in my mind, I'm trying to picture what it is that I could possibly have missed out on. And to this day, I still don't know. I guess I have to go back and I have to drive the same road, right? One of these days. But it's a shame when you're unconscious spiritually and you miss out on some great sights. You know, there are believers here probably today that you're missing out on some great things that God wants to show you because you're spiritually unconscious. You need revival. And if you receive revival you can see what God is doing. You could see some great things and experience some great things. You know when you consider somebody who's unconscious and compare them with somebody, somebody who's alive and, and uh, aware and, and, and the difference between the two. You know, there's, there's a, some activity that is there. That's the difference between somebody who's unconscious and somebody who is not, right? Somebody who's unconscious, what are they doing? Nothing, right? If you're unconscious, like you fall asleep, what are you doing? Nothing. You're just there. If you fall asleep during the preaching, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing, right? You know, and, and you, you know, if you're unconscious, you're not doing anything, right? When you are conscious, what's going on? Anything and everything. Amen. When you're conscious, when you're awake, when you're alive, you're walking, you're talking, you're taking in the sights, you're eating, you're enjoying those things. You're speaking and listening. You're doing all of this. All of those things are possible because you are alive. And that's what happens in the Christian life. Hey, if you feel like there's nothing happening in your Christian life, you need revival. Because it is in revival that things happen. Amen? It is in revival that things happen to you. It is in revival that things happen around you. It is in revival that things happen in our church. Hey, if you feel like, hey, there's nothing going on in my Christian life, you know, it's just ho-hum, it's just ordinary, you need revival. And you can have revival. And you can experience some exciting things. Hey, you know, when you're unconscious, your senses are dulled. You just don't notice things, right? And when you're unconscious, when you're sleeping, you don't see anything, do you? Right? Because you're unconscious, you're sleeping. Right? You don't hear anything. My wife likes to give the story about when we first got married. Man, I'm a deep sleeper, okay? All right, when I fall asleep, I'm a deep sleeper. And uh, I go to sleep, and nothing is going to wake me up. And uh, especially when, you know, I first got married. Now I got kids, you know, and it, any sound, you know, kind of starts to, you know, wake me up a little bit. But my wife would make fun of me because I would be asleep, and if she needed to wake me up or something, she couldn't nudge me. She had to, like, shake me, you know? I couldn't hear I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. You know why? I was unconscious. And that's what happens to us spiritually when we are spiritually unconscious. Hey, you don't see what's going on around you. You just can't see it. Hey, when the word of God is being preached or you're reading your Bible and you're trying to receive it, you just don't hear it. You don't get it. And we're looking at the Bible verses and you're looking at the passages and you're just like, I'm not getting anything. Hey, you need revival. Hey, there's an adept protection when you have revival because it is a dangerous place to be unconscious, amen? You're defenseless when you are unconscious. You have no defenses. You can't respond. You can't predict. You can't react. You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to lull Christians to sleep so he can attack them. Hey, Christians, we need to be careful. There is a Satan that walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, I think one of the biggest shames, though, of if we're not living in revival is that when you have a revival, there is a great absorbing pleasure. Because unconscious people don't enjoy the things of life. Okay? Right? You can take the best steak in the entire world and stick it on the tongue of an unconscious person nothing because they're unconscious. There is no enjoyment in that, right? You could sit an unconscious person in front of the best singer or musician in the world, nothing, right? They're not enjoying it. They can't enjoy it. You could put them in the fanciest hotel, the fanciest place that the you would take a vacation in all of the world. There is no pleasure or enjoyment there. Because they're unconscious. But you know, if they were conscious, if they had a revival, if you will, boy, they could enjoy that steak, amen? And they could enjoy that music. And they could enjoy the sights. And they could enjoy all of the things that are around them. And I, I think that that's a big shame for us as Christians. If we are not living in revival, that it is we who are missing out. If you're not living in revival, you know who's missing out? It's you. Hey, you're not able to experience the great thing that God has for you to see. That you're not able to enjoy the things that God wants you to enjoy. Can we just be honest here today? And just admit that there are times when we know there are things we should enjoy spiritually but we don't enjoy them. Can you be honest? You know you should enjoy reading your Bible, but you've had times when you didn't enjoy it. Can you be honest? I've been there. All right? How many of you have been there? All right? Can we be honest with that and say, "You know what? Reading my Bible just wasn't it, I know it should be good." Amen? Reading your Bible should be good. Should be fun. It should be enjoyable. I mean, different passages, you know, speak to different people differently, and they they read the Bible, and God uses that to speak their hearts differently. But you should enjoy reading your Bible, amen? You should enjoy it. And we could be honest, and we could admit that we know we should enjoy it, right? Every one of us could say, you know what, I know that God gave us the word for a lot of reasons, and, and he wants us to enjoy it. I think for many of us, if not all of us, we've all had times when we felt like, you know what, I'm just not enjoying it. Or maybe serving in your church. There should be joy in serving in your local church, amen? Amen? There should be joy there. You should enjoy serving. We are servants after all, amen? All right, not as many amens, okay? All right. (laughs) But we are servants. We are in the form of a servant. That's what Philippians chapter 2 says. We are in the form of a servant. And so if we are in that form and God wants us to enjoy all things, we ought to enjoy serving in our church. Amen? We ought to be excited about serving in our church. That's what that means. We have to be excited about coming to church. Hey, I have a, a serving responsibility here. I'm excited about that. I want to be there. I want to do that. Hey, there's an event coming up. I want to participate in that. I want to do these things. And we have physical limitations that I wish we didn't have because if if we didn't have those, I could do everything. But I can't do everything. I can't serve in every area. And you can't serve in every area either. But we ought to enjoy serving God. And we know that we ought to. But have you ever been in the place where you didn't enjoy serving God? That you didn't enjoy serving in your local church? Can we be honest? We've had moments like that. Maybe we're just going through a down period. Maybe it's just real short. Maybe it's a lengthier time when you haven't been enjoying serving in your local church. You haven't been enjoying the ministry that you're a part of. Hey, you need revival because God wants you to enjoy that. You can enjoy that. Hey, you can be excited about teaching in a, in a, in a Sunday school class, amen? You can be excited about singing in the choir, amen? All right, I've got to begin pumping this because Christmas choir practice is starting soon. So I've got to start promoting this. But you can enjoy that. Or whatever it is that God wants you to serve in. You can enjoy serving. And when you have revival, you will enjoy it. And God has some amazing sights for you to see and some experiences for you to have. And some serving opportunities and to be able to have some successes. But all of that lives within revival. That's why we need it. That's why we need to make sure that we stay revived as well. Hey, this is one of those messages that is not just that we take it once, we apply it once, and okay, we're done with it. No, we got to make sure that every day we come back to God for revival. That's why you need to read your Bibles, amen. Hey, there's a song that we sing, revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hey, we need revival in our country we're going to have revival in our country, it needs to begin in our church and in other churches around the country. And revival in our church begins with you. That's where it begins. You need revival. I need revival. Now, if there's somebody here today that you're not saved, you don't need revival. What you need is you need to be made alive. You need to be born again, you need to be saved. Hey, if there's anybody here today that you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't need to be revived. You need to be made alive. You need to be saved. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can have life today. For those of you that are saved... How many of you would, in your hearts, just admit, yeah, hey, I need some revival? Do you need revival today? I see three truths regarding revival from this one verse. First of all, I see that revival comes from the Holy One. There's only one place where you can get revival. Verse number 15, we're going to take a look at this verse. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. I see that God, the holy one, he resides in eternity. That means that He not only has life, that he is life. John chapter 14, verse 6, I just quoted it. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can only get revival from God because God is revival. You want revival, you need to go to God. You want revival, you need to go to his place. You know we live in a world that's very convenience oriented. Amen. Can we just admit that our society is becoming more and more centered around what is convenient for me? Can we just admit that? All right. I think even among Christians, we've begun to believe that that it's about me and what's convenient for me. But if you want revival, you need to go to God. You know we live in a day of Amazon two-day shipping. I love Amazon two-day shipping, you know why? Because I don't need to go anywhere. I can just sit in my home and it will come to me. In fact, there's an app called Prime Now. Prime Now is not two-day delivery, it's today delivery. I can order something today, right? If I pulled out my phone, I could order something right now and it would show up at the church here in, in a couple of hours. That's pretty convenient. Uh, I'll just be honest. You know, when I was in Seattle, not this time, but the previous time, we ran out of diapers. That's a big emergency. We needed diapers. So I did Amazon Prime now, and Matt, when you order, it gives you the name of the driver. Matt, he brought diapers at 10 o'clock at night our house i was like man i'm glad that you're here (laughs) and he's like yeah i got kids of my own i know what this means here take it use it you need it that's convenient but revival is not about god coming to you if you want revival you need to go to god's place All right, we need to exit out of this convenience mentality no matter how much that we might enjoy the the perks of it. Spiritual things are sometimes not convenient, but they are still worthwhile, amen? All right, I enjoy traveling. You know why I enjoy traveling? Because the sights are never as good in a picture as when you are there. There is no substitute for being there. You can't bring Mount Rushmore here. You want to see Mount Rushmore? You got to go there. Amen. All right. You want to go see the the Eiffel Tower? You can't bring the Eiffel Tower here. You got to go there and see it. You want to see the Colosseum? You got to go there. You want to go see some you know amazing waterfalls or some amazing mountains? You can't bring them here. You got to go there. Amen. Hey, revival is not something where God. I want you to just bring revival. All right, uh, delivery fee four ninety nine. Okay, that's right. I'll pay the delivery fee if you bring revival here. No, if you want revival, you need to go to God's place. You know what? Sometimes Christian things can be quote unquote inconvenient. Sometimes they can be. But how badly do you want revival? That's the real question. The real question is not, well, the church is a little bit inconvenient and God's word is a little bit inconvenient for me to do these things. And and the Bible talks about all of these things. It's, It's not about how convenient is it for me to get revival. The question is, will you get up out of your spiritual seat and go to God's place so that you can get revival? Sometimes people say, oh, your church service is at 9.30. That's a little bit early. It's a weekend. I want to sleep in a little bit. And I wish I could sleep in a little bit too, amen. Okay, all right, you're not the only one. But hey, if our church service is at 9.30, it's at 9.30, amen, not 9.45. All right. It's not when Brother Richard gets up and starts preaching, you can just stroll in. Hey, it's important. Why? Because of revival. That's what it's about. Hey, Jesus would would pray all through the night. You find out many times the saints and the prophets, they would wake up early to pray, and they would pray late into the night. Hey, that's not convenient. Hey, I got two little kids. Hey, it's not convenient on a Wednesday night when our services are, you know, Brother Richard, their dad, preaches a little bit long. (laughs) It's not convenient. It's past their bedtime, but... Hey, can we just acknowledge that revival is important And that our country needs revival, that our our church needs revival, that we need revival. We've got to get up out of our seat of sin and repent of that and get to God's place if we are going to receive revival. Because he says in verse 15, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell. Dwell means I stay, I abide, I'm not moving. I dwell in the high and holy place. There is a place where God is, and God is life. So if you want revival, you got to go to that place. There might be some changes that you need to make in your life, moving out of them to get to God's place in order to receive revival. Hey, can I just encourage you today, if you get nothing else, just... Go to God and say, God, is there anything that you want me to change? Is there a place, not a physical place necessarily, but a spiritual place where I've been dwelling in and this is a, a wrong priority, this is a sin in my life, or whatever the case might be, and to ask God, God, is there anything that is holding me back from getting to your place in order to get revival? And the thing is, God wants to give you revival. You know, God has that purpose of giving you revival. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. And later in the verse, to revive. He wants to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You know, there's a big misnomer that's been going around all around the world that's been going on since the beginning that God is not a generous God. That God is stingy. That God's holding things back from you, but nothing could be farther from the truth. God wants to give you revival. God wants to give you blessings. God wants to give you good things. Romans chapter 3, verse Or 8, verse 32, he that spared not his own son. God did not spare his very best. He did not spare his son, Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gave us his very best, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And he wants to give you his very best. And you know what his very best for you, believer Those of you that are saved, you know what his very best is for you? It's called revival. All of the best things in Christian living are found in revival, in dwelling with God, in being with God, in being close to God. God wants to dwell with you so that he can give you revival. So let's just just ask a simple question. Have you been dwelling with God? Have you been abiding with him? Have you been staying close to God? I have two kids now. My youngest one is just now starting to crawl. So when we go out, we have to carry her everywhere, which is exciting. It's fine. It's, you know, she's active and moving. It's, it's an exciting time. My wife usually takes care of her. Sometimes I, I hold her, but she, she often does that, which means that our older child is my responsibility. right? When well, we walk around, usually I'm, I'm with Skylar. So we're walking around, and I'm, I'm taking care of her, and I'm, I'm showing her where to go, and I, I, I'm taking care of her. And uh, I'm pretty careful with her. Whenever we walk out into the street or into the parking lot, we cross the street or whatever, I make sure that she does not go into the street unless I hold her hand. She does not walk out into the street by herself. She's got to be with me. And I, I hold her hand, right? And she holds my hand. And so we, we cross the street. We do all of these things. And then when we get onto the sidewalk or we get into the store, we get into the building or whatever, you know, we're in a safer place, I let go, right? She doesn't have to hold my hand the whole time. You know, she's in a, she's like in the mall or something. Hey, it's fine. She can just walk around wherever she wants to. And, um. You know, we'll we'll be walking down, you know, the aisle or whatever, and uh, you know, usually she stays close by. But I've noticed that kids can get distracted. You notice that kids get distracted, and my kid gets distracted. And so we'll be walking along, and you know, I'm I'm you know I'm at the mall, I'm going to this you know store, I'm at the store, I'm looking for this thing or. We're at the grocery store. I need to buy some food or whatever. You know, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, all right, I need to go here. I need to go there. I need to go here, get these things, and, and get out of here. Skylar, though, does not have that same purpose. You know, she, she's just walking along. She's says, oh, look at that, you know. You know, and she'll be walking beside me. I'll be looking down at her. She's looking over there off to the side. And You know, what I've noticed is when, when she gets a little distracted, she tends to stray away a little bit. You know, I'm just walking this way. She slows down a little bit. She's lagging behind a little bit. She, instead of staying right by my side and maybe observing from afar, she, she drifts closer and closer and closer to that thing that she's looking at. Is it possible that you and your Christian life, you've been straying away a little bit? Is it possible that maybe you've taken your eyes off of God and now you've drifted behind God a little bit? Is it possible that you've been focused on some other things and now you've been slowly, slowly being drawn closer and closer to that thing that you're focused on and living for and prioritizing, not realizing that you've been drifting farther and farther away from God? Is that possible? Of course it's possible. Of course it happens. It happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to all of us. And you know, Skylar, she only notices... When she's drifted, when she sees or hears me. When she sees or hears me, that's when she realizes that she's drifted away. When she's drifted away, she's getting too far, I'll say, Skylar, and she knows, oh, dad's voice is a little bit, it's not right here, it's like way over there. And she turns around and realizes, oh, she's drifted. Or when she's looking around and finally she's done with whatever she's looking at and she looks back at me, then she realizes, oh, I've drifted. Hey, you know, if you want revival, you've got to get out of drifting and get back close to God. You know how you know when you're far from God? You need to see God and you need to hear God. You need to... Get a hold of God, looking at his word. God wants to give you revival. It only comes from God. Secondly, I see that revival comes to the humble. Because while revival is accessible to every believer, not every believer has revival, right? Not every believer in this room is living in revival, Not every Christian in in the entire world is living in revival, even though we know that everyone can have it. God wants to give it. So why doesn't everybody have it then? If God wants to give it and everybody can have it, why doesn't everybody have it? Well, there's a requirement. There's a requirement. You know, all throughout life, there are requirements. When you're in college, there are requirements, right? Right? You can't take Calculus 2 until what? You pass Calculus 1. There's a requirement. You can't take Calculus 3 until you take Calculus 2. Hey, did you know that there are requirements to be President of the United States of America? There are requirements. Not anybody can be President of the United States, right? Did you know you have to have lived in the United States of America for at least 14 years? Sorry, 13-year-olds, none of you can be president. Actually, you can't be president until you're at least, how old? 35. You can't be president. To get a driver's license, you need to meet the requirement, right? You have to pass the driver's test. I remember when I first moved to California. I moved to California. I need to get a California license. I went to the DMV. I had all the paperwork, everything that I need, and I, moved, I I went there and they said, Oh, okay, you line up over there and you can take your tests. And I was like, test? I already have a license. I did that when I was a teenager. And I hope I never have to take one again. And they're like, No, you gotta take a test over there. And I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't know I had to take a test. And I went over there and uh, I'd forgotten all of like the little nitty gritty rules that you're supposed to remember when you're a driver, right? Right? You remember those rules like how far in front of your car does the head lights need to shine and stuff like that, I, I don't know. I just turn them on, and it shines, <laughs> and I drive, right? I don't remember those. And it was a tough test. I was guessing on some of them, but, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out what's the most reasonable. I pass the test, I got my license. In the Bible, there are requirements. To be a pastor, to be a deacon, there are requirements, and revival has a requirement. And the requirement is humility. Verse 15, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Hey, if you're going to get revival, you need to be humble. There's no way about it. That's the requirement. God says, I want to give revival, but I'm only giving it to the humble ones. Now, of course, naturally, the question is, how do I know if I'm humble? Right? Is anybody ever going to say, yeah, I'm pretty humble. All right. Are you humble now? (laughs) Right? I think you took yourself out of the humble category by admitting and proclaiming to others that you are humble. Right? How do we know what, that, whether we're humble or not? Well, we're just going to take a look at a few verses and see this is what humble people do. So maybe we can't like, directly look at ourselves and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely humble. But we can look at the results of humility and inspect whether at least those things are in our lives. And that will give us a clue. Humility is, first of all, remembering God. Psalm chapter 10, verse number 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. All right? So what do the proud do? They do not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. That's a very important verse that gives us some insight as to what it means to seek God. People say, oh yeah, I'm seeking God today. Really? Well, seeking God according to God is keeping God in all of your thoughts. And that's what humble people do. It's the opposite of what proud people do. Proud people do not keep God in all of their thoughts. Humble people do. Are you keeping God in all of your thoughts? In all of your life's decisions is God in all of your thoughts. Big and small is God in all of your thoughts. Hey, you know, when we, when we think about big decisions, we think about, oh, God, I need your help in this. And it's important to get God's help, amen? You need God's guidance and direction in the big things of life. Who am I going to marry? What kind of job am I going to have? Where should I live? You know, uh, how do you want me to serve in church? I mean, those are big things, and, and you, you need God's guidance in all of those things, but not just in the big things, all of the little things, too. Hey, every day what you do, you ought to keep God in the forefront of your mind. Not just relegating God to a Sunday morning between 9.30 and 11 or 9.30 and noon. You need to keep God in all of your thoughts if you're going to have revival. You need to keep God at the forefront of all of your major and minor decisions. Sometimes we can put uh, different things in a bigger priority than God, putting God in second place at the cost of revival. Humility is remembering God, always keeping God at the forefront of your mind, keeping God in all of your thoughts. We need to lean not to our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct thy paths. Secondly, I see that humility is relenting to God, submitting to God. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Alright, what is the mind that we need to have? It is the mind of Christ. Alright, that's the mind that we need to have. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. We need to be careful that we do not make our reputation the priority. Right? What others think of us is not as important as revival, as getting with God, as important as what God thinks of us. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, the sign of humility is obedience unresistant obedience. You want revival? You need to obey God. And you need to obey God without resistance. I think that there have been times in my life where there have been moments where I did not want to remember God. Not that I didn't you know, acknowledge God on Sundays, but I didn't want to keep God at the forefront of my mind and ask him, you know, in prayer for certain things. I think some of you may relate to this, but you're afraid to ask God in prayer about some decision or something because you're afraid that God will say no. Can we be honest about that? Right? There are people here today and all throughout Christianity that they know that God probably will not say yes. Therefore, they just don't ask. Right? Can we be honest about that? You're afraid to ask God because you're afraid God will say no. Right? You know, when it comes to dating, oh, I really like that girl, I really like that guy. Did you pray about it? Well, why? Why didn't you pray? Seriously pray about it. It's because you're afraid that God would say, no. I know you like that guy. I know you like that girl, but no, he's not the right one for you. She's not the right one for you. Oh, but I really like him, or I really like her, she's really wonderful, she'll be the perfect person for me. Uh, God might know a few things more than us. Or we see a new job opportunity, wow, this is a great opportunity in my job, I, I, I can make a lot more money. Hey, I would get a big promotion, hey, this is the company that I've always been wanting to work for, and... Hey, did you pray about that decision, whether you should move to that new company? Did you get some godly counsel from some individuals asking them, Hey, what is your advice? Give me some spiritual counsel on this kind of a decision. What are some things that I should consider in making the decision? Are you afraid to ask God because you're afraid that God would say no, and you just got to stick with your current salary? You got to stick with your current position and your current job with your current boss and your current, you know, uh, you know co-workers and things like that. You know, it's tough. But we got to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves and just go to God and unresistantly obey. Say yes at every time. You know, this is not the point of the message, but parents... It is so important that we teach our kids to obey immediately because, especially after they get saved, of course, they cannot have that attitude of resisting God, resisting God, and resisting God until God forces them because their revival depends upon it. We need to teach our kids to obey right away. Because God blesses those who humbly obey. Thirdly, then, I see what is humility or what does humility do? It raises up God. Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 11, the lofty looks of man shall be humbled. And the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. You know what humility is? It's lifting up God. John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist said, he must increase but I must decrease. Just a few things about, well, what does it mean to lift up God or what are the areas in which we need to lift up God or have God to be glorified? I want you to consider your time. Are you glorifying God with your time? Hey, you know, if people could look at your calendar, not like your physical calendar, but the real calendar of your day, Seeing what time you wake up, what time you go to sleep, how long you're on YouTube, how long you're on Instagram, how long you're on the Internet, how long you're, you know, just texting people and, and see all of those things. Would God be glorified in what you do or would they be like, whoa, he spends a lot of time on social media? Whoa, he spends a lot of time just reading about all of these other things. Or, or would God be glorified in the, the way that we spend our time? Is God glorified in our tongue? Words that we use. You know, I catch myself a lot using words that are not glorifying to God. If we'll be honest, you probably catch yourself using words that are not glorifying to God too, Amen. All right, some of you are like, No, I only use the perfect word at every single moment. All right, (laughs) great. If that's you, that is great. But I'm not like that, so I need to be careful. And if you're like me, you need to be careful, too, because we need to lift up God. Hey, how about your treasures? How about your money? I know I'm, I'm treading into dangerous ground now. I'm talking about money. <laughs> Do you glorify God with your money? With how much you give to God? Do you give to God just, you know, whatever spare change you got in your wallet? Or are you thinking about, you know what, I want to glorify God. I'm going to give God the tithe. I'm going to give God 10%. That's a lot of money. But that glorifies God. We just had a missions conference. Hey, I, I know that, hey, it's, we're asking above the tithe. More than 10%. That's a lot of money. But these missionaries are going around the world, preaching the gospel. Hey, would that glorify God? I think it would. I think it would glorify God if, if we as a church would, not out of our ability, but out of the blessings of God, were able to support some more missionaries. That would be a great thing. And you know, I have, a, as I mentioned, I have, a, I have kids now. I have young kids, which means that they have toys everywhere, right? Every day, I come home. And you just got to clean up. You got to put away the toys. You got to put away the papers, the crayons, all of that stuff, you know. And uh, I'm used to finding toys in all sorts of random places, all right. If you're parents, you know what I'm talking about, right. Toys in places you didn't know toys could fit, right, you know. And you're like, how did this even get here? (laughs) Okay, I don't know, but you take it out and you put it away, you know. Just to give you an example, you know, we have a bed frame. And the bed frame comes up a little bit. It's a square on the corner, and our mattress is there. And we'll find toys in that spot there. Underneath, it goes down through to the bottom, and you find little toys there. And they're everywhere. And uh, you clean up the toys. And uh, the most annoying place for me where toys get consistently is under the couch. All right? They get under our couch all the time. And uh, books go under there, toys go under there, pencils go under there, all sorts of things they slide under the couch. And, you know, sometimes I'm looking for things, and, uh, you know, sometimes, sure enough, it's, you know, under the couch. But, you know, it's under the couch, and, you know, if it's right there, sometimes as I'm walking by, I can even see it right there. But, you know, if it's deep under the couch, I can't see it just from standing up, right? You want to see what's under the couch? You gotta get down low. You gotta get on your hands and knees, and you gotta stick your face on the ground. Right? You gotta stick your face down there and look over there and see if there's something under there. You know, if you wanna get that thing that's under the couch, you gotta stick your face down there and you gotta reach out under the couch or whatever, or stick some ruler in, you know, try to, you know, get it out from under there. You know, sometimes people get this idea that revival is sitting in, you know, a fancy, you know, store shelf or it's in the display case of a of a spiritual store, if you will. But without being disrespectful of revival, could I just maybe offer the illustration that maybe that's not where revival is, but revival is, if you will, maybe sitting underneath God's couch and you've got to get down low you got to get on your hands and knees, and you got to stick your face to the ground and, and reach over in order to get revival. You know why some people don't have revival? It's not because it's on a high shelf where they couldn't reach it. It's because they couldn't humble themselves to get down low to reach it. Hey, if you want revival, you need to be humble. And that's an area I think all of us can grow in. Revival comes to the humble. Thirdly, then, what I see is that revival comes... In the heart where does revival come God says that he has come to revive the spirits of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite ones you know where revival comes it comes in your heart it starts on the inside and comes out on the outside it doesn't start on the outside and change all the way into the inside it starts on the inside you know there's a lot of uh, reasons why people give why they can't live for God it's not the right situation for me I'm just not in the right situation in life, and and that's why I can't live for God. That's why I can't do these things. It's not the right schedule. It's not the right timing. And and I'm really busy with school, or I'm doing these work things, or I'm doing all of these things, and it's it's not the right timing. That's why I can't do these things, and that's why, you know, later on, maybe I'll do those things. Later on, I'll live for God. Later on, I'll get revival. But revival is something that comes in your heart. It starts on the inside. A place that no outside circumstance can prevent. Sometimes there's all sorts of things that are maybe not ideal in our lives. You know, everybody's got different situations, but, you know, everybody's got a different family situation, right? Everybody's got a different family situation in terms of the family they were born in and, and uh, the family members around them and, 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 and kids or spouse or parents or relatives, all of those things. There's, there's a lot of different things, and some of them are less than ideal, right? We can be honest, right? Some of them are not ideal. Or maybe your financial situation is not ideal, right? Whose financial situation is ideal, all right? I want to talk to you, <laughs> But for the rest of us whose financial situation is like not ideal, it's not where I want to be, it's not the perfect situation, and, and we have all of these things that we might give as a reason why we can't have revival, it's because I don't have enough money, I'm not working at the right job, I'm not getting enough. I'm not getting paid enough, or you don't understand my home situation, or you don't understand my work situation, or you don't understand all of these things, revival comes from God, and he gives it to the humble, and he gives it in the heart, no matter your circumstances. Or situation. No matter what's going on around you, you can have revival. And nothing can hold you from that. No financial problem can hold you back from revival. No family problem can hold you back from revival. No workplace problem can hold you back from revival. The only one that can hold you back from revival is you. You're the only one that can hold you back from revival because you're the only one with your heart. Nobody else has your heart. That's why Satan likes to point fingers, because if he can distract the believer and make it seem like somebody else is the problem, then he will hold us back from revival. But have you noticed that in the Bible, so many people did not have ideal, perfect situations? Consider the the great men and women of the Bible. I'm just going to list a few. Daniel, of the book of Daniel, he was uprooted as a young man probably a teenager at the time. He was uprooted as a young man, taken from his family, made a eunuch. He was a slave in a foreign country, and yet he found great success. He had revival. He was taken from his family, and yet he found revival. Think about Joseph. Joseph was not just taken from his family. His family was the one that sold him into slavery. It was his own brothers that sold him to be a slave, and yet he had revival. He was in the, in the place in Egypt, in, in Potiphar's house. He was doing a great job. Somebody lied about him. Potiphar's wife lied about him, got him thrown in jail, and he still had revival. Have you ever had somebody lie about you? Somebody, maybe not physically, but somebody sell you out? Somebody forget about you. All of these things happened to Joseph, and yet he found revival. What about King David? His own king tried to kill him. After all that he had tried to do for him, he killed Goliath for his king. He played the music to help his spirit, and yet his own king tried to kill him. Noah was surrounded by wickedness. We don't know how many people lived in the days of Noah. Easily could have been in the hundreds of thousands, millions. And God saved only Noah and his family. Hey, you know, we live in a country where it seems like wickedness abounds. Hey, we've not yet arrived at the the bottom. It's going to get worse. Because sin only gets worse. Amen. When you read the book of Revelation, man, it gets bad. But you know what? You can still be a Noah. Amen? You can be a Daniel in a foreign land. You can be Joseph in Egypt. You can find great success. Joseph and Caleb. Hey, they were doing the right thing. They were following God and they were held back from the promised land because the other ten spies could not bring it to themselves to believe God. And yet they found revival despite being held back from the blessings for 40 years. They deserved to be in the promised land, but they could not go in for 40 more years because of those other guys. How many times is it in our own Christian life that we blame the other guys? We blame the other guy. We blame the other spouse. We blame the other family members. We blame the other people at at our workplace. We blame the other people at the church, but revival comes to those who are humble, and nobody can hold you from that but you. That's why it's important to consider your heart. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, "Keep that heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." How's your heart today? Let's take responsibility for our heart, okay? It's not your parents' fault. It's not your spouse's fault. Not your kids' fault. Not your pastor's fault. Not your Life Connection teacher's fault. Not not your boss's fault, right? If there's not revival. It's because we have not humbled ourselves to receive revival in our hearts. And you know what? Getting back to this again. You know who misses out if I don't get revival? I'm the one that misses out. You know on the family car ride when we were driving through the mountains in the Canadian Rockies? You know who missed out? Was it my dad who missed out? It was my mom who missed out. I'm pretty sure my brother and sister were sleeping too. I have no idea. But I'm pretty sure they were sleeping too. But you know who missed out? I was the one that missed out. You know what? If, you, if, you, if, if your spouse or your family members or your, you know, other people in the church are living in revival, man, they get to experience that. They get to see those things. It's a great thing. And it's exciting. And there's progress. And there's activity. And things are changing. And, and uh, there's great life in that. You can have that same life, too. Hey, if you're lost here today, you can be saved. Today. You can be saved today. You can be born again today. If you're saved here today, and, and you would just humbly admit, you know what? I'm just not where I need to be, and also I'm not where I want to be. You can be revived today. If you just humble yourself before the Lord, God will give you revival.